0: impact
1: 89 fm's own nfl podcast hosted by michael Marcotte this is the pylon
2: welcome back to the pylon
1: i'm your host michael marcox this is impact 89 fm's own NFL podcast, joined once again by my two co-hosts, Jada Koster, M- Mani Patel, back in studio. He's off last week. And our special guest this week, Jack Hartley, who was on with us before 2023. Was the last episode of 2022, whatever it was. Yeah, week 14 or 13, that, somewhere Whatever right it out. was. But nice to have you back, Jack. And we are back. This is Pro Bowl week. Um, obviously, the Super Bowl is next week. We're going to do a full Super Bowl preview get into all the storylines, break down both teams, obviously give our predictions for the game. That will happen next week. This week's episode, we're going to just recap the games that we saw this past weekend, get into some coach hirings, uh, and play some quarterback matchmaker, even maybe a little bit. Um, But let's start with the news of the week. And it happened a couple days ago, obviously on social media. Tom Brady, the one and only. He retires, and as he says, it's for good. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I do believe him. I think this is it. I remember we sat here on this show, this exact episode last year, and had the same conversation about Tom Brady retiring, and then he came back, and it got weird. But nonetheless, I think this time it is for good. Um, but what a career for! Yeah, him.
2: definitely. I I I agree, Michael. I think he is done. I think you know we we kind of saw it this season with you know his play. I mean, he did throw for forty seven hundred yards, but. You know he's he just didn't look like the Tom Brady we've always seen, um, and yeah you go eight and nine you lose to the cow you get blown up by the Cowboys in the wild card game, and he he walks off the field hugs his family family and we're like yeah I think I think I think he's done and then he announces on uh, Twitter and Instagram that he's retiring and you could tell he got a little emotional so mm-hmm. yeah I mean what a career greatest of all time is no doubt about it and yeah I'll definitely miss watching him even though not really a fan so yeah
1: for
0: sure <laughs> yeah when you say the vibes are off I mean you could just sort of feel it just in this uh season from 2022 into 2023 from the the headlines that he was making before the season to you know the roller coaster of the season that it was and it wasn't the same team that he had with Bruce Arians and it was it was just so far distant from what we saw just a couple of years ago with in that Chiefs Super Bowl win um and, and yeah just ending it the way they did it against Dak Prescott and the Cowboys and Obviously, it wasn't even a, a close game. I actually had personal money on the Buccaneers, so just sort of uh, just uncharacteristic, and that's sort of when you are, are, it's time to put it up. I, I think it would have even been more of a struggle for him if he would have came back for another season, and that's why he said it's for good. He's putting everything, and that's why you don't want a third time around. This is just, you know, second time. This is, I think, it's, it's for good for him.
3: Yeah, I mean, great career.
1: No, hold on. I think you had your shirt off. I think you're right now. Yeah, um, there you go. Right.
3: Great career for Tom Brady. Very surprised by his decision to come out of retirement last year. And um, honestly, like you could see it in him, sometimes you'd just get frustrated with his teammates, or he'd want it more than them. I don't know if you guys saw the different clips of him just yelling at them and them being just utterly non responsive like that kind of stuff I think that Brady is ready to channel that competitiveness into something else and I know he has a giant broadcasting deal with Fox but I don't think he's even going to live through the first three years of it I think he's going to want to coach I think he's too competitive to not do that and I mean what what else can you do if you're the greatest player of all time might as well go prove yourself as a coach. I like, mean, why not? He's We know There's him as one of the
1: greatest him. of all time, if not the greatest of all time, because of his football mind. And that's something that doesn't ever go away. And it's something that you even see with guys who maybe didn't have a successful football career, but they make it really well as analysts or they make it really well as broadcasters. It's because they always knew the game, but sometimes just their body wouldn't let them do it. And that's kind of where we're at with Tom Brady. I do agree with you, Manita. I do see him. Probably eventually getting into coaching, using that football mind to help other quarterbacks, other teams in some capacity. But I think just for him, it was it was time, and you could see it kind of in his in his little message. I I, I liked it how it was kind of he kept it short and sweet. As he said, you know, you only get one sappy retirement speech, and I used mine up last year, which he did. Um, but because at the end of the day, it all means the same to him. Um, but what a career. I saw, actually, that he uh, turned down one last opportunity to come back to New England. They offered him to like come back and play for them for one year. Really? Like yeah. Uh, he turned it down and then chose to retire. Uh saw that Robert Kraft's trying to, and he's in talk to them right now to have him sign a one-day with the Patriots to retire uh, as a member of the Patriots, which he should do. I can't see any reason why he won't. Um, he'll have his jersey retired, all that, um, and in five years, you will see him in Canton, Ohio with a bust and um, Good for you, Tom Brady. Uh, One of those players that I always would say, I never really liked Tom Brady, but damn, did I respect him. Because I mean, just what? that competitive edge.
0: We're 20, 21, 22 years old, and we've been forced <laughs> to watch him in 10 Super Bowls. Our whole life has it's, been it's, Tom Brady. Jack
1: and I were talking about it before we got It's in the our, lifetime. The, our, our lifetime. Literally, our lifetime has been where Tom Brady's been in the league, and that's incredible to think about. So let's move on to... Last week's games, obviously. Leave the past in the past. Um, two conference championship games last Sunday. The NFC title game, a bit of a blowout. It's not very good. Uh, but the AFC game was one of the best championship games we've had in a long time. Uh, let's start on the NFC side, obviously. Final score Eagles 31, 49 or 7. And this game was really just doing from the start. Um, early minutes of the game. Brock Purdy gets hurt. Uh, we find out now it's a torn UCL. Uh, he needs Tommy John surgery. Yes, you heard that correctly. That's a. I mean, it's usually a thing you see in baseball pitchers, but when that ligament tears, you got to be able to fix it. Which means Brock Purdy's probably out for an entire calendar year. That's how long these injuries tend to last. So obviously, we'll we'll talk about the Niners in the future, I guess, at quarterback. But overall, the Brock Purdy injury, the Eagles' defense just controlling the game from start to finish.
2: Eagles go to the Super Bowl. No, but. yeah. It, I mean w- once Brock Purdy got hurt, it's like oh no. Here yeah. comes Josh Johnson who's been on like half the half the league's, if not the teams. whole team. Yeah, like honestly. the whole league. Yeah, you're he's seeing. Been, it he's right. been on the 49ers I think 3 3 different times. So I mean, he didn't look very good. He was I think they had like a lot. They had so many delay game penalties and they have trouble with, he had a lot of trouble with the snap and other than that, you know, it's it, it was they were doomed from the start like you said. I mean, the, the Eagles defense was you know, doing what doing what they do They're very good And, you know, the the Eagles just run the ball And Eagles, I mean, but I think if Brock Purdy was healthy I think it would have been a pretty close game Because, yeah. I mean, when he was, like When he was in the game I mean, they were, like, they were in the game Until, you know, around halftime So, overall but They guess, they they had the a Eagles. touchdown drive
1: with Josh Johnson yeah. And then, uh It was just weird, though Because when Purdy came back into the game After Johnson gets hurt Which, you couldn't have even scripted it
0: Mm-hmm
1: Purdy comes back in, and, like, the Eagles knew he can't throw the ball. Like, he literally couldn't. Just he stacked the just bucks. turned around and handed it off every single play. At the end
3: of the game, they were just running wildcat with Christian McCaffrey. There was, I mean, that injury looked so bad. Yeah. There was no reason for them to try and – Like, he, he literally said he couldn't throw a ball 5-10 yards. Couldn't so you throw you can't yeah. do that with a toward UCL. and You know, that reconstructive surgery is going to be a while, whether yeah. it's – the Full reconstruction or it's the partial one, he's still gonna be out at least six months and then you have to before
1: he's even beginning to throw. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So I think it's gonna be a while. I think they already said that Jimmy G is not gonna be back. Nope. So And Trey Lance
1: is gonna be coming off that broken ankle. So But
3: he'll be ready for OTAs, which will be interesting. I don't know.
1: It just it seems like though with all the offseason talk with the Niners, right, they don't seem sold on Trey Lance at all.
3: But, like, I don't know if there was really any time to get sold either. It's fair. Like,
1: I think they have to be, though, with the
2: sacrifice you made to get him.
3: It's weird, but next season is going to be what this season was going to be, unless he gets hurt again.
2: I think it's interesting because Purdy's going to be out next year. All of it, all of it, So Purdy's going to be out all next year. Uh, Garoppolo is probably gone, right? Yeah. That's what they're saying. Oh, yeah, they and now, said that in the press conference. Yeah. He would, they, they were definitive about that. Yeah. And in Trey Lance, we don't know if he's the answer. It's like, what do they do with the quarterback position? Even though yeah. on paper we thought this is like, <laughs> like they have three like pretty good quarterbacks yeah. on the roster. It
1: ain't gonna be Aaron Rodgers, that's for sure. <laughs> that we saw the other day. Exactly. Um, but uh, I look at the end of the day, I, they're gonna have to roll with Trey Lance. I think you have to with the amount of mm-hmm. draft capital yeah. you gave up to go get him. He needs a whole full year To even show you anything He hasn't shown you anything yet He's done nothing And just the one thing I
0: take away from this game, too, and sort of going off of Jay's point, going back to the game itself, is that we had seen just how important the the quarterback position is because you have the weapons around it. And I think if you just have a healthy quarterback able to operate Shanahan's offense, it gives any team a chance. You just have anybody that's healthy, and especially with the the McCaffrey the Samuel the Kittle, uh, it just shows you you have to have that operating piece in the middle at quarterback for it to all come together and just... That's sir, where I think it's sir, your biggest downfall comes is not having a competitive quarterback.
1: I saw a rumor yesterday on Twitter um, that Matt Ryan wants to play one more year. I saw that. Probably too. as a backup. But does anyone remember Matt Ryan's MVP season? His offensive coordinator oh, was Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan. But Matt Ryan's um, also. No, I know. But I'm, I'm, so, not, I'm, not so saying, I'm not saying start Matt Ryan. I'm saying you bring him in to back up Trey Lance. And this is a guy who knows Kyle Shanahan's offense like the back of your hand. If you want to accelerate Trey Lance's progression here, because this is going to be his prove it year, having a guy like Matt Ryan behind him, I don't think could hurt. Because again, Matt Ryan's one of the guys, he's got the brain for it. Um, and he had an MVP season under Kyle Shanahan. He knows this offense very well. I don't think that's a bad thought, especially because even if Trey Lance gets hurt, which of course you don't want to see happen, but then your backup's Matt Ryan, who yes, is old, but... You could do worse than Matt Ryan.
2: I feel like any quarterback they bring in is going to be good because Kyle Shanahan has proved that he can. His system works. I mean, you draft Mr. Relevant and Purdy becomes like a very solid quarterback for that offense. So I mean, I can't doubt Kyle Shanahan. So I mean, he's he's a great coach. So. And
0: for Purdy's sake, I just hope this doesn't come back to hurt him and his career as like a whole because mm-hmm. he was in prime position to have a, a real shot at if Lance I isn't think the guy. They were guy. saying he was going to start and, next year. It's if, it, and again, if it all changes in how that game is viewed if he's healthy, how his outlook is yeah. viewed if they end up somehow winning that game and with the parts around them. I mean, you just sort of really have to, to look at that and see how much does that injury linger into the
1: future. Yeah, I mean, for sure. And let's talk about this game a little bit more now from the Eagles side. Obviously, they're the team that won the game, they're going to the Super Bowl. Um, the, the Eagles proved me wrong many times this year. There was a lot of times I don't think I was 100% sold on this team. I don't think a lot of people were. It felt kind of fluky. They were 9 0. They lose that game to the Commanders. Um, J- Jalen Hurts gets hurt in week 15. Um, it's just, I was never sold. But the, these last two games have shown me that I was wrong. And I got to eat my words a little bit. Um, this Eagles team's for real, and their offense is insanely good um with the ability that they have to run the ball let it be with Miles sanders boston scott uh kenneth gainwell jalen hurts had 99 design runs this season that's the most of any quarterback in the league this year their ability to set up their pass game is so good and then they have the receivers on the outside that just stretch the field that play action game get it to aj brown devonta smith and they just go to work and this team is very good They've been the best team all year and
2: now they're gonna get a chance to play it's for it. It's an all. amazing job, credit to Howie Roseman, because twenty twenty you fire Doug Peterson, you're kind of in a, a free fall. They're like they're saying, Oh, they're they're tanking under Doug Peterson in twenty twenty one kind of a a building step year. He goes uh I think that they went like nine and eight, they got the seventh seed and now you go get AJ Brown in the offseason, and now you're the number one seed in the Super Bowl. Like it's amazing how I mean Howie Roseman he's one of the best GMs in the league. And it's amazing how you can rebuild that team in like two years just like that
1: yeah the ability to take to to get two separate teams to the super bowl in a five-year stretch that are constructed completely differently from each other is a remarkable accomplishment i mean the coach isn't the same the quarterback isn't the same the old line's different the d line's different your secondary's different like every this is not there's barely any guys from that 2018 team on this Eagles team and they're back in the Super Bowl maybe better than they were that year I mean you're right Jay that's it's an incredible accomplishment to this front office for Philadelphia who's one of the premier front offices in the league
0: yeah and especially the addition of AJ Brown and even if it wasn't the most felt game in his presence I mean just you can just see that the pieces are, are more aligned this time around and that they aren't going in as a Super Bowl underdog and there's, there's no Tom Brady, there's no big boogeyman on the other side, there's Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, who have obviously had a great five-year run, but this feels like a legitimate Eagles team and one that doesn't maybe will feel like isn't just going to be a one-year stint. I feel like this is someone that can be a competitive team throughout the NFC for years to come, too.
1: And, Manit, you've been on the Eagles all year. I know you've been you've been yeah. pushing the Jalen Hurts agenda yeah. all year. I, again, I didn't really buy it, um, but you were right, to be fair. Um, but I guess what were your thoughts from last Sunday?
3: Well, I think it's, it's really like Jay and Jack were saying. It's a culmination of what they've been building. Yeah. Howie Roseman has taken this team from when they let Andy Reid go, from when they let Doug Peterson go. Like, they've hit – three coaching hires in a row now. Yeah. Even though they've eventually turned, two of them eventually turned sour. Yeah. And Those it's one by three two. <laughs> phenomenal coaches. Yeah. Three Super Bowl possible winning coaches. And this team was not put together for much either. Really, besides A.J. Brown, the only considerable trade, or uns- considerable pick they traded was a fourth for Robert Quinn. Yeah. Their starting safety, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, a 5th and 6th. Yeah. They got a 4th for Jalen Rager.
1: hmm They got... Who's
3: done nothing, yeah. by the way. <laughs> Again, yep. Still. still. Yep. They've made really good moves. Kerry Vincent, their slot corner, 6th yep. round pick. That kind of stuff. Roseman has done a really good job of identifying the talent he wants and really built this team up. And top to bottom, it's the best roster in the NFL. There's a reason they're in the Super Bowl. I get you know, the the take that maybe, yeah, 10 other quarterbacks could do that with this roster, but it's a really well-put-together roster. Yeah. No bones aside. Next year, Jalen Hurts may have to prove himself a little bit more because they won't have as much talent as they do this year, but they still will be a very talented team. They still have something for the long term, and with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, you have two really good receiving weapons that will be with Jalen Hurts for a while.
1: Yeah. I mean yeah, I mean look, we can't talk enough about how the roster is constructed and I think it's just the way that they shifted to move to Jalen Hurts and make that jump that was heavily criticized. Um and then Jalen Hurts doesn't it have a, a
3: It was a crazy pick yeah, too. It's, His second round pick two years after they and, took Wentz. And Jalen
1: Hurts' first year as, as a full time starter wasn't great. Um obviously last year they did kind of get it they did get in the playoffs and then they got blown out by Tampa. Um but that just he never looked great, and this year we're like, this is the prove-it year for Jalen Hurts, and he might win the MVP. I, I still think Mahomes will win it in the end, but look, I mean, they did so well at constructing this roster around him. It's a run-first football team. Miles Sanders had a career year. You got guys like Boston Scott, who's a really good goal back despite his size. Again, the weapons on the outside, the tight end, Dallas Goddard. I mean, what a year he had. Big-time red zone threat. The offensive line is still holding up. Lane Johnson who's old as dirt at right tackle, is dominating defensive ends. I mean, and that's not even talking about this defense that is nasty. Hurt too. Nasty. Johnson's yeah, I know. Hurt. And this defense has the best front seven, if not, you could even say front eight in football. It's the best front eight we've seen in a long time. They have the best defensive line in the league in terms of a collective, and they have the best linebackers in the league. I mean, this team is so good. And, again, I have to eat my words a little bit. Um, I wasn't buying it early on in the season, but sure enough, they're here. And, again, they're going to get to play for it all next week.
0: And it's just funny. Is it Sirianni gets to talk at, in his opening press conference too. Oh, this guy, how, how does he sound? Is this really confident of what yeah. Eagles are going to be getting? And now you have two straight playoff appearances and you have consensual growth from 9 wins to
1: 14 wins and a Super Bowl appearance. Yeah. So – that's one side of the coin. The Eagles will be in Super Bowl 57 out in Arizona. But who are they going to meet? And that came down to the AFC title game, which was the best conference title game I, I've i seen in a long time. Uh, just a phenomenal football game. Chiefs come out on top, 23-20. to 20. Harrison Butker, of course, with the 45-yard game winner with about eight seconds to go. Um, this was a wild game. Back and forth, twists and turns, and... It may seem like this isn't true, but the Chiefs never trailed once in the game. It was tied multiple times, but they never once trailed. Um, Patrick Mahomes puts on his cape one more time. What a performance from him. Um let's just start with some preliminary thoughts from what we saw in Kansas City. Yeah, I
2: mean, first of all, I mean, shout out to Joe Burrow. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he I mean, to be able to like he took him down the field, like he made that it was like a fourth and I think it was like fourth and twelve. He made he made that throw to uh I think it was T Higgins. It was it was at the end of the game. The there third and sixteen. Yeah, 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 third and sixteen. My bad. But yeah, I mean, shout out to him. I mean, Joe Burrow is going to be in this league for a long time, yeah. and this rivalry with Mahomes is going to be something special. I mean, you think Josh Allen and Mahomes is rivalry? I mean, Burrow's creeping up to that. But I mean, we always talk about the end of the game, and it's right on this show sheet that uh, dumb gets you beat. I mean, Joseph Osai, I mean, look, I feel bad for the for the guy. I mean, I, you know, we saw after the game his B.J. Hill was sticking up for him. Like, we're family here, and, and that's what he said. Like, I mean, but you, other than that, like, you just you really can't make that play. I mean, especially with a guy like Mahomes, you're going to get that call every time. Yeah. And, I mean, to do that in that spot was just unfortunate, and that's ultimately how that won the game. But and with Mahomes on one leg, I mean, <laughs> the throw for over 300 yards – no turnovers. Um, I yeah. mean, he's ball, just, he had he's the one, he had the fumble like that, yeah, that's true. Third quarter, but no interceptions. Yeah. I mean, he's otherworldly, so I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. What I take is, I mean,
0: officiating obviously, we're going to get into it later, but like, the obviously, you got to make your own plays. And the Bengals' bottom line had their chances, they had the ball with a chance to take the lead, they had chances earlier to take advantage. and. Uh, they just obviously didn't take advantage of their opportunities that were presented to them, and that's sort of what it comes down to. Late in the game, you're looking for Joe Burrow, and people again will go to the officiating with possible rough in the passer, whatever it is. You got to make plays, and you got to make throws. And we had seen it so much from him, and it just didn't come up in the last three or four minutes of the, the when you needed him most on the road and in a game that he had just won a year prior. It just didn't seem like it was the same type of you know dagger type of mentality out of Burrow that last two
2: drives.
3: Um. I mean, really, it came down to Patrick Mahomes saying, hey, guess what? I'm the better quarterback, and you're going to see it. And he did it on one foot, um, and he showed why he really is one of the most talented players ever to play this game. Um, And, you know, at the end of the day, you can't put aside the fact that Burrow had two picks I think a fumble. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think, think he maybe. fumbled, but they recovered it. Okay. I think it was, was so. Something like that. Still, two turnovers, and like, really, he just got straight up outplayed. And yep. as much as you can say, like, hey, the penalties gave the game away. Hey, dumb flags gave the game away. The team. Yeah. The Bengals gave the game away uh, they, the, You had every opportunity to win the game You had the Chiefs top three receivers out You had them having a stagnant run game They are averaging like three yards of carry It was literally Patrick Mahomes
0: And yeah. like Michael said they never <laughs> Were trailed. in the lead yeah, the, they Bengals winna- never led. Yeah, the Bengals never led
1: And that moves me into something that I want to discuss Because we're going to get into the officiating Obviously it's the hot topic out of this game um, The idea that the game Was stolen from the Bengals um, no, because I I'm of the belief I don't know about you guys but we were I, never
3: close enough. To no, no, but scores. I'm of the belief
1: you can't have a game stolen from you if you never had the lead in that game. Yeah. Um, and the Bengals, despite everything that happened, you as we touched on, they had the ball in Joe Burrow's hands with a chance to go win the game on a field goal, and credit to Chris Jones, that dude made a play and sacks Joe Burrow to make them punt, and then obviously the rest is history um but i just think like you can't say that a game was stolen from you if you never led the game like at all and you had it tied a couple times you had the horrible mahomes turnover that literally handed you 7 points and then you got another stop get the ball back and you don't do anything with it because your offensive line is still a disaster and i just i don't know i just i have an issue with people who will try to say that because Yes, were there some missed calls that I think could have been called in Kansas City? Yes. Were there maybe some calls that could have gone the other way? Yes. Was that fifth down thing weird? Yes. That thing was the weirdest thing I've First, ever seen. Yeah. Um, but did that actually impact the game? No, because the Bengals ended up getting off the field on the next drive anyway. Um, on the ne- or the next portion of the series the Bengals got off the field
0: it may impact the perception of the moment but the, uh, the yeah. overall game no you're not it's not gonna that that play the, giving yeah. the Chiefs
1: that extra play did not change the outcome of this game at all mm-hmm. and- at
0: all, and the ref—it looked like his his whistle was just frozen. He was walking in, like they did show the one replay from the up yeah. above. Like no, he, was were, yeah, he was coming in. he was coming in. He just yeah. wasn't able to get anybody's attention, so nobody knew what was happening. Yeah. And you know, it's just one of those miscommunication, misin misinformation things, and everybody's blowing up about it. And they a lot of fans did not get the the right side of that story. And, and
1: I'll talk about the other calls too a little bit. The four that obviously we're going to look at. Um, do you have the two? pass interference well one was holding but um, you have those you had the what was the other one you had the the late hit out of bounds obviously
0: and then I think it was just the fifth down thing um, possible roughing the passer that yeah. was, wasn't uh, obviously same. the
1: miss holding on Trey Hendrickson on the same play that Mahomes took the hit out of bounds um, which by the way yes that was a penalty like it may have been a split second late but again as and we touched on I put it on the agenda and it's something that I've always grown up my dad's always told me this dumb gets you beat And it's just one of those things in that moment, Joseph Asai, you have to know, you have to find a way not to hit Patrick Mahomes, or at least do it in a way where it's completely incidental. And Joseph Asai did not mean to do that. It was not an intentional hit at all. He was just his full momentum, but you two ham shoved him when he was two feet out of bounds. Like you can't do that. And like I said, I feel horrible for him and he's going to live with that. All off season, yeah. possibly for the rest of his career, knowing that he cost his team a potential opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah,
2: and I don't know if you guys saw this, but after the game, uh, the L- Jermaine Pratt. Yeah, he said at him like, yeah, "Why did you touch the quarterback? Like, that's 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 a bad teammate right there." Like, like I know it's in the moment. They talked to like, him after,
1: and J- Jermaine Pratt was one of the guys who went over, I think, to Osai on the sideline after the game was over, and he was, you know, it's just. They asked Jermaine Pratt about it after the game about why he kind of snapped, and he just said, you know, it's just the fire of competition. He said, obviously, I I went up and I apologized to him afterwards. Like, I didn't mean to snap. It's just the raw emotion of, like, in that moment, what, what are you doing? I mean, yeah. What I mean, if, are
0: you doing? I think anybody, just your natural raw reaction yeah. is going to be like, it, you know in your shoes yeah. if you're in that control and in that spot. You don't want to do anything near what happened and. That's going to be frustrating to watch. It's like anything. It's like watching your best friend do something you know that you he know he shouldn't be doing, but it just isn't yeah, in his it, control. It's, it's
1: in a loving way. It's right. just the fact of what are what were you thinking? I, because I, again, as much as you can talk about it, of yeah, it was only maybe a half second before Mahomes went out of bounds, and if it would have been a no call, would it have been the end of the world? Probably not. But at the end of the day, it was a penalty, and it was called correctly, and would the Chiefs, because what, they had like 13 seconds left. Would the Chiefs have still found a way to get into field goal position anyway? Potentially. But instead you gave them the ball, a 45-yard field goal, which is nothing to Harrison Butker, and and he puts it right down the middle. I just look, officiating did not cost you this game. I believe every single call made against Cincinnati was the correct call. The holding on Eli Apple, the pass interference on Mike Hilton, both of those were penalties. And you can talk about anything you want about how the Chiefs maybe weren't called for some. That's fine, but I also make the argument there's holding on every single play in the NFL. There's holding on every play. You could call it every play. There's a reason they don't, so I'm less upset about that and just you had your chances to win and you weren't able I
0: to I mean, I've been in the exact same shoes. I mean, the Lions were in the lead when they did lose to the Cowboys, but it's like if I'm in my shape of mind, I'm always a firm believer that don't make the referee's be a factor don't in the outcome. do make... Yeah. You, you have to put yourself in a position where you're in the lead firmly or you make yourself your own plays if they put you in a bad spot. So regardless of the situation, your defense still had a chance to stop Tony Romo in that game. Yeah. You had Calvin Johnson and Calvin Tate and Reggie Bush all on the same offense in that year. You had no excuses, I don't think, to, to put yourself in to complain about whatever it is. So I, I've, I've been there and done that. I, I will never put a blame on the officials because they're all human. We all make mistakes. We've all made bad calls look at the nfc championship game between the rams and the saints i mean bad calls happen and people, they come in bad spots don't
1: realize like if i there's somewhere where you can look this up and for anyone that wants to go ahead um but the percentage like of i'm trying to think of the best way to put this but the percentage of calls that officials get correct is like mid 90s like it's in the 90s right of how accurate they are and it's it's an impossible job It's a thankless job. It's one of those jobs that you don't want to have, because it's hard, Um, and a lot of the calls are subjective, especially when it comes to pass interference, roughing the passer, and they do miss calls, but a majority of the time, as much as it may seem like it, it isn't, officials are right in almost every call that they make, whether to throw the flag or not to throw the flag. And so it's just, obviously the game against the New Orleans Rams game, that was an anomaly where that was just a really bad miss, but there was nothing, I think, in that game that we saw on Sunday that I would say was anything egregious of a call, nope. anything egregious of a miss. Um, and again, nothing that literally took a game away, like that Saints game did, where that game was stolen from the Saints. But I, like I said, I, I'm not going to just sit here and I'll let Monique get his thoughts in on this as we've been talking about it. But other I mean, than
3: that, I mean, it. You really can't like, you really can't blame the refs at the end of the day it's a couple calls that they might have or might not have gotten wrong, but... like you said, they get 90-plus percent of them right. I don't know what the exact number is. They understand the rules better than any of us do. They understand the interpretations of the rules better than any of us do. They understand how those rules are supposed to be executed better than any of us do. So, to sit here and question them, you know, consistently when... A team loses in close fashion like that is kind of ridiculous at this point because, you know, at the end of the day, the team just got beat and they beat themselves.
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure.
3: And, and that's what they have to know for. You know, as a bad as the officiating might have been, quote unquote, at the end of that game, they were fine for the first three quarters, three and it, and a half quarters. And it
1: still took a 45-yard field goal in the cold from the hash mark to win. And that's not an easy kick. It's also,
3: like, they're playing in one of the loudest environments yeah. in football. Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard to communicate. Yeah. Both teams are struggling to communicate. You know, you can't fault everything on them. Yeah.
1: No, for sure. And, you know, the Bengals, it was a great year for them, obviously. Um, but... Of course, they're going to feel like they left some things on the table. Um, we'll see if they'll regroup next year. Obviously, a lot of changes coming in Cincinnati. I mean, that Joe Burrow contract's coming up, and it's coming up fast. And we're already seeing it. Word out of today is that T Higgins not exactly thrilled with how the money situation is in Cincinnati, um, and they might actually have to trade T Higgins this off season. Uh, he
3: debunked that already to get him.
1: To, well, it's just simply put, T Higgins. He's on. So because he was a second round pick, he, his contract's a year shorter than Joe Burrow's. So they have to make a choice on him before Burrow, but they already have said they're going to pay Burrow, off, and you have to. Yeah. Um. And they're if you're going to pay Burrow, you have to pay Chase as well. So I think T Higgins is probably the odd man out, and he's probably going to get traded. I would think potentially this off season. And
2: he wants like twenty million a year, is that? Oh yeah, and he wants him? he
1: wants wide receiver one money, and he'll probably get it. Some team will give it to him for sure. The um,
3: Bears pay him.
1: But nonetheless, we talked a little bit about the Bengals. Let's just talk about the Chiefs just a little bit more before, of course, we move on. Of course, we're going to leave all Super Bowl talk to next week when we preview the entire matchup. But um, Patrick Mahomes is just, I mean, that was, we just need to sit and bask in what what it is right now. Because it's just greatness. And that throw that he made on third and, what was it, third and eight, like late in the game, 13-13, Throws an absolute dart to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Unreal throw. I mean, through that window, off one leg, again, I might add, because he couldn't put pressure on that right foot, or the left, whichever ankles hurt. Um, Just... I mean, he's, he's Superman, and it's just, man, it's incredible. It's so fun to watch. Right, it. and, like, you can
0: see when he, in the game, like some of the throws where it did affect him. Oh, yeah. But when you're still sitting there and you're throwing, like, you're 75, 56, whatever percent you're at is better than the majority of starting quarterbacks' arms naturally. <laughs> it's just, like, what do you do with that? And what where are you? And that's why it's, it's awesome that he'll have this at least week or so of rest and will hopefully – Hertz and Mahomes can be as close to 100 percent that they uh, can be to give us the best product next week. But you got to give props where it's due. I mean, to have to go through whatever any type of high ankle sprain is is painful for any individual to go through, and especially for the environments that he had to go through with that. And he probably didn't even know the so slit was there half the game, he, and he was still he able to do what he, he did. He
1: said before the game he didn't he didn't take any sort of meds. He didn't have it wrapped, or he he had it wrapped, but he didn't take a shot because he. Said he's like, I want to be able to feel my foot because, like, I want to be able to feel it move. I mean, for anyone that hasn't been able to feel their foot before, like when it falls asleep or something, it's not pleasant. <laughs> um, so he had it taped and that was it. And he went out there and did that. I, um, I just, like I said, it was, it was a superhero type performance, a rating of a hundred point four or 105.4, excuse me, 40, 29 of 43. Man, I cannot speak today. <laughs> 29 of 43, two touchdowns, no picks, only took three sacks. Um, and, again, he didn't get really anything in the run game. 20 carries for 42. Um, Marquez valdez Gantling had a really great day. Uh, six catches, 116 yards, and a touchdown on eight targets. Travis Kelsey did his thing, as we always know he will. Um, great performance by the Chiefs, and that Chiefs defense, that front four, dude. Chris Jones, Frank Clark, they were just feasting on that Bengals O-line, and they, they had Burrow in a—
2: are the could, Bengals going to get that O-line figured out because they don't know. they signed Leo Collins but he was out for he he went out for the year. He wasn't
1: good when he played either, really. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't they had Kappa, it. too. He was hurt, he missed that game. Um but this is the same O-line that they went into Buffalo and won that game with. So there there's no excuse for the Bengals to continually not have this O-line, but they got to get it figured out, man, cuz like I said the Chiefs ate him alive. Th- those first couple drives, you felt this game was over in the first quarter. It was just Sack after sack after sack. Chiefs would then go down and score. Um, But nonetheless, Chiefs get the win, 23-20. They're going to Super Bowl 57. It'll be Chiefs and Eagles next week out in Arizona. Again, next week we're going to break down the whole game, both teams, all the storylines, and you're going to get our picks as well for that game next week. But now let's move into some other stuff as we still got some time to fill. Head coach hirings. Oh, my goodness, we finally had some. We had – uh, one was last week, but obviously we were going to save it for this week, and then we just had two more happen within, like, five minutes of each other um, the other day, I think Tuesday. The said no. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, let's start with the very first hiring that we saw, which was the Carolina Panthers last week hired former head, or former head coach of the Colts, Frank Reich, to come in and be their head coach. Um, he's building a staff right now. There were some names thrown around about who he's bringing in, but... Good hire, bad hire, neutral about the hire?
2: So, I i mean, what he did in Indy, I mean, he's talking about some playoff appearances. I i think Frank Reich's a solid head coach. And, and look, he had a, a bad situation when Andrew Luck retired. He, he was cycling through quarterbacks just like crazy. And then you go to Carolina, you don't really have a quarterback. I think this might be opportunity for Frank Reich and, that's, and that staff to maybe handpick their guy because they have the number nine pick, maybe they can possibly trade up and get one of these quarterbacks like Will Levis or um, not Bryce Young. But, I mean, that you'd have to give a Kings. Yeah, C.J. Stroud. I mean, you'd have to give a Kings ransom to go to number one. But yeah, I mean, I think Frank Reich's a solid coach. I mean, like I said, I mean, he did, he had some success in Indy, not a ton, but overall, I think it's a solid hire. And he's building up pretty good staff. I mean, he got Deuce Daly from the Lions, yeah, who I think, I think he's big a, time. a very... Promising candidate for them. So Dude, Staley was almost a head coach a couple of years ago. Yeah. So wow. I, I like that hire. And overall, I mean, I think overall it's a solid one. So
0: I always like looking at head coaching hires if they were my own because obviously I've been through so many of them as a Lions fan. So <laughs> you if, and me both, brother. If uh, if I were to look at this, I say they they fit their business model. Like they sit out, and once they saw the Matt Rule experiment, they're like, no, we're not touching that ball game again. We're staying far away. We want experience. We want somebody that's been around, been in the league. Reich has that experience. Now the success that's where it draws, and this is where I also question it: is the longevity because he's not really your young middle aged guy that's gonna take you and have it and be like a even like Andy Reid where he started with the Eagles and transition. I think Reich's at his bottom end of his career. I think he's more to build their culture and maybe be more of a stepping stone coach, but get yeah. them two or three years of consistent football. Maybe get them back to the playoffs. Uh, yeah, maybe get another playoff appearance and maybe have them compete in a wide-open South now that Brady's gone. And uh, I, I think it's a good hire because it's more sustainability than some of the other teams in that division have. So I, I think overall, positive hire
1: for the Panthers. Did anyone see the graphic about the quarterbacks in the NFC South well, around the next year? Desmond Ritter...
3: Trask, with Kyle Jamis. Trask with Tampa Bay, Jameis, yep. and
1: Carolina has um, Matt, Corral. Matt Corral. Those yep. are the only quarterbacks under contract in the NFC South next year. Uh, well, Mark Mariota technically is, but they're going to let him go. Um, but, yeah, so NFC South's wide open. What did you think of the Frank Reich
3: hire? Uh, I don't like it, honestly. Like He's a good coach. Nothing against Frank Reich as a coach. I think his path from on should be as an offensive coordinator – um, because that's where yeah. he was and working with quarterbacks. That's yeah. where he was most successful. That's where I think he can still be more successful. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have really preferred a younger candidate for this Panthers job because it feels like they're completely blank slate. Like there's really nothing on that roster that you feel required to hold on to. If you want to, you can. I mean, trade, you, got, you got some. You can trade on Burns and DJ Moore and get um, a couple first round picks for each. Probably not. More, but I, more Burns. You got
1: Burns, Chin, Brown on defense. Yeah, those are st- those are placeholders. I don't know, placeholders, but stop, whatever. They're good players. You're yes. not gonna get rid of them. So,
3: but I think it's it's really an opportunity for a young coach to make their mark at that organization, um, the one without much playoff success in its young Newton. history. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, I don't think this really just should have been the direction they moved it. And it's interesting. Yeah. It's very interesting.
1: I thought it was a weird fit too. I'm not going to say I hate the hire. I actually like it because I'm never going to be mad at a team for hiring a guy with experience. I always think that that's probably the model. I don't think it's a bad model to go with. Um, I just feel like the Panthers were kind of out of options. They were kind of the job that a lot of people seem to forget about. Um the Broncos obviously were gonna go make a splashy hire and they did, and we're gonna talk about that in a second. The Texans always kind of knew who their guy was and they got it. Um, but the Panthers, you just never really knew what they were doing. Um, they were always they, they they really did a lot of their interviews behind the scenes. You really didn't know it. Obviously, they had the biggest head start above before any other team because they hired their their fired, excuse me, their head coach first. Um, but Frank Reich is a it's it's a good hire. Like I'm neutral about it. It's just kind of one of those things. I'm going to need to see it. You got to get him a quarterback. I mean, you got to give him something that he can at least play with. Um, But I, I like this Carolina roster. It's young. They're going to be a team that he can really mold and kind of shape to be his own. And I think maybe by the end of this tenure, he could have them... In the playoffs,
2: they I would argue
1: next year they probably should be the favorite. Depending on the quarterback, they should be the favorites in the South. It'd be that, never New
2: Orleans and that roster. Like, I mean, New Orleans' roster isn't that bad either, but Carolina, I mean, th- like you said, this division is wide open. Yeah, like if they can find like the right guy quarterback, like if it's a rookie or if it's a veteran, I, I think they can win the South next year because, like you said, that roster is not bad. They have some guys on defense with chin a uh, Brown, a uh, Burns, and then they have DJ Moore, and you know they got some talent. So Donta Foreman played yeah well at running back. Or, or Chuba Hubbard's. I mean, they got they got some guys. So. I mean, hey, either
0: or against us this year like, <laughs> with with the Lions. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the one that, two
2: punch with the Lions.
0: Just <laughs> just a gut punch to me. I, I will just going back to the quick playoffs as a whole. Just knowing that we were a Minnesota, a Philadelphia, uh, any of those games that came down a Buffalo Bill Thanksgiving game Seattle. away. I think it, it, there was just so well, many... Seattle legitimately is the one rough. that and kept that, him out. <laughs> yeah, that pick six, I was there for that one. Goff throws that pick six, and yeah. that turns the whole tie in the second half. I mean it's just Because there were so many snoozers, like we saw. And it, it, I mean, you can't help the injury with Brock Purdy, but you just can't help. But if the Lions were able to get somebody... I mean, I won't lie, though. Like day.
1: If the Lions make the playoffs, they stay, they lose to San Francisco in the first round. I think the, I would have taken that game think, to watch. Though. I think their result would have been very similar to the thing you saw with Seattle. I think it would have been very similar. Um, in in San Francisco, like that, that that's a different. It's a different team when they're playing it. Yeah, in it just Levi.
0: that's it gives us hope for the future because you know, sort of him of and Sirianna Cam- Campbell and Sirianna both are sort of looked upon as, oh, how are these hires going to turn out? And I think both of them have turned after two years positive directions yeah. for for their organizations. Of that's course. what I've looked for.
1: Well, let's move on to the next. Uh, hiring of the cycle i don't know i just lost my train of thought i am my brain is fried today guys let me (laughs) tell you this um but the broncos make the splash the biggest splash of the cycle and they hire sean payton they got a deal done with new orleans they're giving up their first round pick this year that they got for bradley chubb and a second rounder next year for sean payton and a third round pick from new orleans it's a lot to give up for head coach a first round pick a second round pick. In the end, you traded Bradley Chubb in a second for Sean Payton. Not awful, um, but I think this is the way the Broncos had to go. This has to get fixed. It has to be immediate. And Sean Payton, someone that Russell Wilson talks very highly about, and I think vice versa. Um, what do you guys think of it? I I really like it. No, but. I
2: I like it, but I don't like how they got him. Like yeah. you had to give up draft capital to get. Yeah, him. I mean, oh, for, what a for win a for the Saints, by the way. Oh yeah, they, <laughs> they moved on job. from him, and then they yeah. just oh we'll take a first round pick. Yeah. No, but I mean, and the second. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I I just look. I think Champagne's a very good coach. Um, I mean, he took he took the Saints. So he won a Super Bowl with the Saints. I think he can take the Broncos back to the playoffs because that team. I mean, that roster is very good, but that roster also needs draft capital and. Like, you're giving up draft capital for a head coach. I mean, we don't know if Russell Wilson's going to be the same. I mean, maybe he's done. I mean, maybe he's shown that he's kind of on the decline. So, overall, Champagne's a very good coach, but I just don't like the amount yeah. of draft capital they gave him. They also give him $84 million over five years. I mean, look, the Broncos' owners are rich, so that really doesn't matter. So. Yeah,
1: new owners, they're going to spend money. Yeah. Every every new ownership does this. but so, yeah. I mean,
3: it's, it's just crazy with, like, how aggressive they were. Yeah. I don't think you needed to be that aggressive. I think you needed to wait. I know it's Russ is really old, and he may or may not be declining. He had a very off year last year, but he also played in a very different system and a very different style than he's used to, one that restricted his Seattle style, I think, quite a bit. So it affected his game here um, in Denver, but I think, there's no, ne- no necessity for that. You could have hired, uh, hired Averro, I think. That's how you say it. Averro. um, Their defensive coordinator and... Who actually, Peyton is talking about
1: rehiring him as the defensive coordinator. Yeah, it, yeah,
3: they would have been fine. I don't think much would have changed. I think you still could have made a run at the playoffs. Very good defensive coordinator. Ran a very good defense last year. That was definitely hit by some injuries. And, you know, still played tough and played well. And, um... I I I get it because you're bringing one of the greatest offensive minds of all time to play with one of the best quarterbacks of the generation. But really like it's not what you needed to do as a franchise. You need to spend those picks, improve the team, get the team better. And because at this point it's it's proven that they're not a good enough roster to compete with the Chargers mm-hmm. and they're not going to be able to touch Mahomes. Nobody touched Mahomes. homes. Come on out. So, like, really, you are just binding yourself for another year to nothing. And you still have no first next year.
1: No, they don't have and, picks for a like, long time.
3: It just makes no sense. That first was so key. And I think for not getting any player value out of it, it's going to be bad.
1: I mean, to be fair, though, the the Broncos, after getting rid of Nathaniel Hackett, didn't they go 2-0? I mean, I know the last game of the year the Chargers really didn't do much, but I'm just saying they looked a lot better, so maybe the coach had that big of a factor and on this team.
0: The, the one thing that I feel about with Hackett, I feel like he had, his impact on the roster had a lot to do with it, but the one thing that does give me some promise without the draft capital is that Sean Payton is getting coupled with a, a well-known quarterback and one that is yeah. proven so that he can take his teams in the right situations to win and i just think that if sean payton can put the pieces that they have around him in the right places at the right time with with uh, sutton and the other receivers that they have and judy and being able to put everything that they have in in correlation with a good offensive mind with payton i feel like there is some upside because it's just feels like how the chargers got rid of their offensive coordinator if you Your offensive coordinator has to utilize your team in its best ways, and I feel like Hackett took that ability away from what he did with Russell Wilson this year.
1: Yeah. So that was the one hire. And then five minutes later, it broke. This one, I mean, this one was obvious. We've been hearing about this one for a week. It was basically set in stone. They were just, you know, working out the fine print. D'Amico Ryan's to the Houston Texans. And I'll say I said it once, I'll say it again. I love this hire. I absolutely love it. Yes, he's an inexperienced coach. This is going to be the first time. Last year was his first year as a coordinator. Now it's going to be his first year as a head coach. But I absolutely love it. The energy that he is going to bring to this organization that is lifeless right now is – amazing. And he, of course he used to play there. He was a linebacker there for a long time. Um and now he's he's back in the organization as the head coach. I I just I love it. I love this hire for Houston. They gave him a 6-year deal, which means they're going to commit to him. He's not going to be a one and done coach or even a two and done. He's here for the long haul and I love that.
2: Yeah, I mean, like you said, playing for the organization, he's he knows what that organization is all about and you know, the, like you said, 6-year deal. I mean, he's not going to get the one and done treatment like they had with uh, Cully and Lovey Smith. It's going to be his show. He's going to get time to rebuild this thing because it is an absolute mess down there. He needs to. He needs a lot of time to clean that up. So I like the hire.
0: You know, as much as I want to root for him, and I think it is a good hire. It's just the Texans. Some organizations in sports, you just have like that eerie feeling about, and the Texans just seem to have a cloud for whatever it is about winning. They have the names throughout like our lifetime. like you Obviously, off the top of my head, you have Arian Foster, Matt Schaub, a- Andre Johnson, and DeAndre Hopkins, and De- Deshaun Watson to go through, but hasn't really ever equivalated to anything where we're going to be talking about them on this podcast for the oh, championship yeah. weekend and Super Bowl weekend. You're just not going to hear their names. So I do root foreman and that's always one of those jobs that you wish well on that coach, but I feel like the ownership and organization as a whole just doesn't give the the players and coaches enough of an opportunity for them to succeed there. So you wish them well, but from just seeing the organization, and obviously we've we've been around Cleveland and Detroit for organizations so we know it. Just it feels like one of those jobs that just won't really result you much in terms of winning. But I hope well for them.
3: I think, I think this is like the kind of hire that the Panthers should have made. You know, mm-hmm. you've got some pieces in Houston. More picks than pieces, really. They got a lot of picks, and at they least in the next few years. They a lot of picks. It's only in the um, next few years,
1: but they do have a few.
3: But they have a lot of picks and... you know, Draft capital. They've got, no, they've got a couple, cap- couple right. pieces you can keep, Draft but like nothing you're super crazy about. You're like, hey, mm-hmm. this is a franchise player. This is guy. Hey, yeah. Stick, stick, stick. So I think really good place for D'Amico to start. He can go really build that defense up, which I think is so, like, sold the owners in Houston, is that he was like, hey, I have a vision for this defense, I have a vision for what it's going to be, and I, if you give me full control of being able to go get those guys, I will make that defense elite, Um, and I have no doubt that he can do that, I hope he's able to go and get a couple linebackers that he can really, really work with, because that will be really cool to see. and for a team that hasn't had a notable linebacker since Brian Cushing, like
1: Whitney it, Merciless, too, yeah. it'd be
3: it'd be pretty cool to see yeah. that. Um, and I think it'll be really interesting to see who that offensive coordinator hire is if he picks from the Kyle Shanahan coaching three... Uh, did Mike LaFleur already get? Yeah, he's hired? with he's the, Rams. the Rams. Offensive coordinator, right? Yeah. I was going to say, that could have been a nice... I
1: think he, he has an interview, I think, with the quarterback coach in San Francisco to bring him over with him as well. Okay. Um, so
3: um, Yeah, Shanahan's yeah. just losing everybody. But. Something <laughs> like that. Um, it'll be interesting. I hope that with a good offense coordinator hire, you know, they won't be showing progress next year, maybe yeah. not even the year after. But year three, this team should really hit.
1: Yeah. So, like I said, I love this hire. Um, I think just with... The energy now around the Texans is just so much better than what it has been, and I just think he's going to do so much more just in that regard, necessarily, than just on the field. Obviously, the team's not very talented. He needs time, and he has a contract where he's going to get that time. I think the Texans are committed to making this work, but now you got to hit the draft picks. Now you give it over to Nick Casario, and you say, all right, time to go to work. You got the second overall pick in the draft. Chop, chop. It's time to go. Like You got two first-round picks this year. You have your pick. You have the Browns pick. You have the Browns pick next year again. Um, plus your own pick. You got picks. Just you got picks on picks on picks on picks on picks. Need it. Cap space on cap space. It's time to go. And I'm, I'm excited to see what Houston can do. Obviously the other two jobs open right now in the NFL. Cardinals and Colts. They're still in their processes or whatever you want to call what the Colts are doing. I don't know if I'd call it a process, but they're still. Things out. Um, maybe as we'll long see, as we don't lose
0: Aaron Glenn, maybe I we'll swear. see their
1: hires uh, next week I swear. or so. Um, but nonetheless, the Cardinals and the Colts still out there. Only two jobs available. Let's next just move in quickly to updated pick'em standings. And my goodness, have the tables turned! Manit um, has picked six games right in a row. He was perfect divisional round, and then he got both last week. So he shot in front, 38 points. On the board in the postseason, pick them. Jay and I both got one each, so we stay. Jay stays two points ahead of me, and the special guests are I mean, they, they actually cannot win. Um, <laughs> the Super Bowl is worth 16 points, and they're down 18, so it is impossible for them to win. Right. Um, <laughs> Where's the script? You can thank your friend uh, Jack Latterman for that because he really sold in Divisional Week. Like, really sold. Did he go for four? Uh, no, he went one for three. Oh, no, One for four. Um, But nonetheless, Manit's in front, 38. Jay with 32. I have 30. Special guests have 20. And just to wrap up this episode with just a little bit of time left, let's just play a little bit of quarterback matchmaker. So let's just talk about a few of the guys that we know are going to be available and maybe talk about a team or two that we feel could make a really good pairing next season. Mm. How about we open it up with the guy yesterday who had, honestly, the clip of the season. Um, Derek Carr, after putting on a show in the Pro Bowl's Coast <laughs> competition, then goes on air and goes, "Maybe, yeah, I wasn't that accurate in Vegas. Maybe that's not why, or maybe that's why You're I don't like play there woman. anymore." Um, but nonetheless, what do you guys think about Derek Carr? What What do you think maybe is a really good fit for him, team wise? Washington,
3: Washington, Washington. Give him the Washington. They can. Washington I mean, has so many quarterbacks right now. Like that's just they're collecting them. Yeah, you can, whatever they want to do. I think you give them for Wentz and like a third. Yeah, um, or a second probably is better. What the value is, and Wentz is your backup for whoever the of whoever the Raiders decide to roll with. Um, but, Carl on that team is a playoff team. <laughs> Terry McLaurin's best quarterback. And they were also a playoff team this year yeah. with
1: Taylor Heineke and yeah, whatever that was. Row, the yeah, yeah. And yeah.
3: And the So I think uh, consistent top 15 quarterback play can get you the playoffs. Yeah, That's a I, solid I roster, a solid dog, defense. Bro. Need need better running backs, but besides that, they're, they're set. They'll Don't sleep like, on Brian Robinson, man. He, he, he He's a good running back. I like him. I like you, Rob. I,
1: yeah.
0: with, with Carr, I think, depending on how his – Trajectory goes. He these are going to incline or decline from after this season. Yeah. If he declines, I could see him being the perfect face of the Indianapolis Colts. I was going to say the <laughs> same thing, dude. He if, if, screams like if, he's a Colt. If he screams, he could be another one-year quarterback. <laughs> yeah. I, I seriously think that. I seriously think if you sit <laughs> him in and you send him to the Colts, that if something doesn't With go right, Jeff
1: Saturday is the head coach. There oh, is. it's Dear just God. like
0: <laughs> if you have him, it would. I think one bring good attention. But if not there, in a more serious manner, for his career's sake, I think if you're going off the basis like I was going earlier with the theory, if you have a healthy quarterback in Shanahan's hands, I think Carr would be able with Samuel, Kittle, McCaffrey around him, I think he would fit well in there and stay out west and only be able to move from the the conference to conference. Big cap hit, though. It would be, and you have to do the math with it, and uh, obviously that's got to be a part of it, but... Boy, would it be hilarious if he ends up in Indianapolis?
2: I that would go de- down, I would pay to go see a game <laughs> if that were the case. Do that definitely. To- I was thinking Tampa because Ooh, I like that I like Tampa too. I like Tampa not bad. you lose Brady. That's I mean, you, still, you got a lot of weapons team. there. Still, you got Godwin and Evans, and if they're not out the door, then I think Carr would be a perfect fit down there. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, you get like I said, you got a ton of weapons at your O line. Not as good as you used to be, but it's still decent um
1: Wirth will be coming back at some point too, yeah that
2: and, and, and that defense is still ready i mean car i think car would be perfect so yeah i like i
1: like all those answers um i think another team to keep in mind would be the jets um i know we're getting a lot of jimmy g talk to the jets but i think
3: aaron Rodgers, baby and aaron
1: Rodgers. um <laughs> but nonetheless i think like it's Eric Carr i think could be a really good option for that jets team the jets are like just like washington almost a playoff team with Bottom tier quarterback play all year long. Um, they're they, uh, Derek Hart Abismal. could Young get the Jets guys. easily second place in that division. I think with whatever the heck's going on in Miami. So Holland Wilson, yeah, like and uh, well, they actually might trade Elijah Elijah Moore. But um, mm-hmm. let's move on to another quarterback. How about Jimmy G? We just brought him up. Obviously, San Francisco's going to get rid of him this offseason. Well, not going to get rid of. him They're just going to let him go. But um, what do you think is a good fit for Tennessee? Tennessee.
3: Tennessee. So I just saw something actually, um, saying that the Bears have got two offers for the number one pick. Okay. Neither is the Texans or the Colts, and the Titans are one of those teams. The Titans. No. The Titans are with, one of the teams. Just that drafting have Malik
1: Willis to give it, give up on him that quickly. seems yeah, Wild.
3: That's crazy to me. But if that is the case, I think Jimmy G for Tannehill and. Like a fourth, fifth, third, whatever the value ends up being, something in that range. I don't think you any trade anything higher than a second for Jimmy G, but Tannehill a third, fourth, fifth. San Francisco gets their backup for Lance. Similar, similar concept as Matt Ryan. Similar concept as Jimmy G that we are seeing. Just a system kind of dude who can make throws if needed. Jimmy G is your starting quarterback next year. You get a rookie with what. Well, Seems like they're interested in the first pick. If they end up with the first pick, get a rookie with that and sit him for... Eight to ten weeks. If and that's let him it, roll.
1: Look, if that's true, that's crazy. To like, yeah, they've seen that's... Malik Willis for like two games, and everyone knew Malik Willis was going to be a project quarterback. He's not going to be ready time, but then to just
3: he's bad. Just throw him away him? like
1: that just Did to he... give up. You took you got him in like the third round. You're not like wasting any sort of capital in him right now.
2: Look, I, I'm stunned. It'd be that, crazy that, I'm if that, that, that the Titans are are going to offer the number one pick because that would. <laughs> The Bears will get a king's ransom. Also, up. though, but would the but Bears want
1: to drop that far? Titans have like the nineteenth, 11? 11? Are they eleven? They're really? eleven. Oh, I, that's true because they didn't have a good record. You can give me a ton of picks. I mean, 11. that's, still, yeah, a, that's still a steep drop from one. Yeah, and Jimmy eleven G's,
3: for a, a bear, first and two seconds for a
1: Bears team that's not that needs a lot of work.
3: Eleven to drop ten first spots.
1: Two this but you also get a ton year? of
2: draft capital. I know, but like. This year, you, you got like... T Higgins. I know. I, I, T Higgins <laughs> to the Bears is happening. T so. Higgins and Justin Fields. All right. Uh, <laughs> I well, think
0: Tampa Bay will be, would be an interesting headline for him. One, it would be following up Brady again. <laughs> uh, could Jimmy you read, G follows as after if he, Brady. If he follows the, the path of his predecessor <laughs> in Honest. New England, I feel like that would be pretty fun. Uh, but I'll still throw Indy in there. I think that... Carr or Jimmy G would be good fits if you're being more serious and having somebody with experience that has, you know... It's sort of hard to go and who you're going to put the blame on with the Devontae Adams debacle and him not having the success that I feel that he should have with that high of a receiver. But, you know, I feel like that Jimmy G would fit well. I would put Indy and Tampa up there. I don't see him really going East Coast. I don't think the Jets would be really his deal. But I could see him in a Colt uniform and just a solidified, younger quarterback that can get you a few years and that's been to a Super Bowl that's been around success before. So that's just where I would put my mind if I were to put my first initial thoughts.
2: What what about the Sin City Vegas? Because <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. you, you reunite with Josh McDaniels and yeah. they're going to be looking at Josh for McDaniels
1: someone. loves Jimmy G. Like yeah. he thought Jimmy G was the answer behind Tom Brady. Um Brady. Well, I I'll spot. put out two places that I doubt are even going to be relative options, but depending on how the rest of this quarterback market goes, number 1 the New York Giants. Ooh. Number 2 the Green Bay Packers. Um Think about Jordan it, Jordan Love. If if Aaron Rodgers is traded, say to the Jets, the, there's no like, it, yeah, fine. They may give you Zach Wilson in return, and just say, you know, what the heck, you know, give him a fresh start. You're not rolling with that. Bring no. in Jimmy G, have him play for you. If you do trade Aaron Rodgers, and I think the Packers can still be an OK team in the North next year, I don't hate it. Um, and the Giants are one too. I just think I think that's a really good fit for them, but I don't think they're going to move off Danny Dimes. So. That's that no. but I do think he would be an upgrade nonetheless. So that's it for that one. All right, final one of this episode because we are running a little bit long. Let's just talk about it. Let's get it all out there. Aaron Rodgers, Jets, Jets, Jets. Really, everyone's going Jets. Jets. J-E-T-S. It, it Jets, Jets, Jets.
3: Makes the most sense. They got Hackett. They have weapons. Yeah, they have a really really good defense. Better yeah. than most of his Green Bay defenses, honestly. They have draft capital still. They have everything. <laughs> they have everything. And they have a really a wide open division. Yeah. No. Um do. it any team could win that division next year. New England could, even. Really. It's nah. crazy. But they could.
1: It's tough it's not like to Buffalo's see anybody but
2: Buffalo
3: but, winning that division next year. But still. If, if
2: Rogers goes to the Jets, I mean look, like Manit said, you got you got the the weapons. Garrett I think Rogers is gonna love Garrett Wilson. I mean from what he had last year, yeah. I mean, Garrett Wilson is a rising star, and
0: yeah, maybe you they got a really Elijah good defense. More.
2: If what, I, yeah, exactly. If
0: I were to put my head to where any, I, I, I would give myself three teams. I would say not in any particular order, but Jets, the Packers, he's either going to stay, well, yeah, in my mind, obviously. or it's obviously going to be the Raiders. I feel like those are going to three, because if he goes back with Devontae, I feel like he would have a nice wrap-up, final, legitimate last dance, and with McDaniels as an offensive line, A coach, maybe able to shift his tide as a winner with them as they're in the offensive staff. But in my mind, my gut I think he stays. I think they don't take the financial burden with them right now. Yeah. I feel like it's just in his mind. He's playing out this sort of thing. I'm going to deal with myself, which is good. You got to respect that because everybody needs that time and to, to make those decisions, especially when you're in the magnitude that he is in. But I just don't see him. I feel like there's going to be too much that's going to have to have to happen with him
1: yeah. for him to be to move on after this year. I, I I agree with you. I don't really think he's going anywhere. Um, but. I do. Vegas to me doesn't seem like a great fit just because I don't don't think him and McDaniels fit at all. I think they would just clash in butt heads all year long. Like, those are just two alphas, and you cannot have two of those in the same room. And so I just think, like, if he goes to the Jets, you know it's going to be, he's going to be the man. Like, Salah's not going to clash with him probably at all. And obviously, Nathaniel Hackett, now being the offensive coordinator there, um, we already know how well they work together. So, Overall, I don't think he's going anywhere, but the Jets probably do make the most sense, and that's where all the rumors are right now. We shall see where all of these guys land. If they stay put, we'll see what happens as the offseason progresses. Cause next week, last game of the reg or not even the regular season, last game of the season, the Super Bowl. We will be back right here on the pylon. We are going to give you everything that you need to know about the game, and we will make our picks for that one as well. That'll do it. F- For the Pylon, though, this week, big thank you to Jack Hartley for coming on. Of course, my co-host, J.D. Kosterman, I'm Michael Hodge. We'll see you guys all next week for the Super Bowl preview right here on the Pylon. Have a great day.